Welcome to Passion Life Church. Hallelujah. So grateful to be here today. Turn to someone and tell them, I'm so glad you're here. So glad you're here. Please have your seats. So grateful to be here. My husband and I were grateful. Uh, he's just uh, one of those people that never meet a stranger. And uh, God allowed him to meet uh, Pastor Phil and Valerie. And we're so grateful. And we're so grateful also to have met Miss Kathy. And uh, it's just a, uh, such a warm presence here. It really reflects the nature of your pastor and wife. And so when you walk into a place and you feel that warmth, it's, uh, it's usually a reflection of the priesthood. Amen? And so very grateful for them. Uh, I'm so glad to be here again. And we're grateful for what God has given us to share. And I know that he has a word for each of you. And uh, I honor my husband and uh, very grateful to God for him. And he is a walking miracle. And I thank God for what he did for us. That, no, that medical science calls him a miracle. And I'm so grateful to Jesus for all he's done. Amen? Amen. And so before I, um, before I pray, I just want to read uh, my text. And it is Jude 3. And it says, Beloved, when I gave, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Amen. Such is the word of the Lord, and it is blessed. Amen. And now we will pray. Father, I thank you so very much for this word. I thank you, God, that you are the entrance of all light, that you give entrance to all light, and God, that you are with us today. I thank you, Father, for the word of the Lord that you've given me to even share today. I thank you, Father, that it will go into the hearts of the believers and that it will do exactly what you have commissioned it to do because your word never returns void. And I thank you, God, that it will go forth with purpose and direction and clarity. Hallelujah. Accomplishing everything that you would have in this hour. So grateful that you have given us an opportunity to stand in your presence and to speak your infallible word to your people today. We give you praise and we give you glory. And there is no one like you. And so we bless you in this place. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We bless you. We bless you. Thank you for the anointing of God that makes preaching easy. I give you praise and I give you glory and majesty and honor. Amen. So today, I'm going to talk with you regarding positioned for victory. How many of you are positioned for victory? Positioned for victory. And so I really believe that uh, this time that we'll share together will further 
convince you that God has positioned you already for victory. His victory that overcomes the world. His victory that does not fail. His victory that is not uh, limited by our circumstances, the modern day culture, or whatever's going on in the financial market. His victory overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen? Amen. Now, everyone knows that today, come on, saints, today is Super Bowl Sunday, right? And I am your referee, okay? It is Super Bowl Sunday, and we're very grateful uh, for the comparisons that we see often with football and uh, with the word. Since I'm not a sports buff, you know, literally, when there's a show on, or you see I call it a show, right? When there is a game on, come on, let's get the verbiage right. When there's a game on, you know, I go into the living room or the den or wherever my husband is, and, you know, I'm going to keep him company so that he's not fussing just at the television and saying, you didn't go to the right. You didn't go to the left. So I'm, I'm there to, you know, to, to go with him. Yeah, you didn't go to the right. You didn't go to the, I don't know. And so literally when I go into the room and there's a game on, I'm like, what color is our outfit? You know, I don't, I'm not asking who, are, who it is playing. Most of the time I can somewhat recognize the teams. I walked into a hospital visit the other day and uh, there was a gentleman who God is performing a miracle for. And uh, he was watching, um, I believe it's the, um, see, don't even give me, the Ravens. I was like, it's the purple team. It's the purple team. So, uh, and that, I could tell that that's who he was rooting for. And so there are very, very um, great fans of every team, but I am a fan of Jesus. <laughs> and I have some other teams that I appreciate, but I, I, am, I am a fan of Jesus. And in this hour, as we are preparing to see the earnest manifestation of the sons of God, we must position ourselves now to give our full focus to Jesus. It's not enough to be uh, just a Christian, but even as uh, was said by Jude, he was compelled to speak to the Christian community. He wanted to talk about the common faith, but he was compelled to talk about contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Amen? And so when I think about football, I think about the rich history that it has. Even our faith has history. You know, when we look back and we say God did X, Y, and Z, it builds our faith for whatever is going on today. Amen? And so when I think about, like, even uh, the Chicago Bears in 1940, just some history. In 1940, the Chicago Bears played Washington, played the Washington Redskins, and it was a blowout game, 73 to zero. Now, see, I don't know all about the football, but I do know that that's a blowout. And so when we're thinking about these things, there are victories that are undeniable. When Jesus went to the cross and he went to death, hell, and the grave and brought back keys so that we can have eternal life, it is a blowout victory. And in this hour, that's what God is giving his people. So don't get stuck on yesterday's failures and other things that are going on. We are continuing 
contending for the faith. Amen? Now, you may notice in um, January of 1967, just some more history, the Super Bowl there, the tickets cost $10, saints. $10. And in... 1968, the tickets were $12. Ain't that something? All right. I just thought I'd tell you. And so when we're looking at the Super Bowl today with the San Francisco 49ers, right? Got it right. And then we have the Kansas City Chiefs. So if I were to walk into the room today and I'd say, what color are we wearing today? I know one, I'm going to wear white or something, okay, to distinguish the difference. I know that much. And so... So when I'm looking at two red helmets, I'm like, we're in red today. So I may holler for anybody at any moment, okay? And so uh, when we're looking at that, we also see that the cost of the tickets have gone up. I have an image of, so in the middle at the 50-yard line, that's $23,000, saints. One ticket, one. And it amazes me how when God is using a people to fund the gospel and he's asking them to give unusual amounts that these people, now I know that there's a 7,000 seat, a $7,000 seat, okay? But if you want to be in that middle section, the 50-yard line, you're right at $23,218. See, that's what I want to give to Jesus. I want to give... I want to give that kind of offering to Jesus. In this hour, while God is building, constructing, and equipping the church for things that we have not seen before, for occurrences that no one knows about, for things that are unprecedented, it is an opportunity now to sow not only into this generation and into the move of God today, but into the move of God for tomorrow. Now, when I look at the two teams again, see, this all, it's not going to all be about football, okay? Just hang with me because you know I don't know about the football, right? This is all research. Okay, so the two teams who are playing, the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs, the 49ers have won five, come on, Super Bowls. There we go, five. And then, mm -hmm, there it is, 49ers, five. And then we have the Kansas City Chiefs. You can't see them quite because I'm in your way. But here's the Kansas City Chiefs, three Super Bowls, okay? All right. So there is an intimidation factor when you look in the eyes of someone who has great victories. And you have to come on the playing field knowing who you are and whose you are. And so when I look at them, okay, let's go on and get these rules and things because, you know, I need, so it's for me to understand, right? Okay, so we're understanding the game. Four quarters comprised of 15 minutes each, and there's a total of 60 minutes. I could declare some of these games going three and four hours. I don't understand now. They're four quarters. Come on now, 15 minutes each. And then there's three timeouts. And then we have uh, one halftime, one halftime. 
And then in that 12 minutes, we have now it's comprised of you see all kind of injuries and penalties, and you see 22 players on the field, 11 at a time, 11 on offense, 11 on defense. And then you see uh, it also how, how you win, you do the touchdowns, okay, the six-pointers. And then you go for the extra point. That's the kick, right? Can anybody know anything about football? Then you have the one point. That's the extra point. And then there's a two-point conversion, a field goal. There's three points, and then a safety. There's two, okay? You have four tries to move the ball 10 yards to get a down. And then if they are successful, they have a new set of tries. All I want to say about this is that regardless as to how your son and your brothers, we're not going to speak about the husbands, but how your son and your brothers act like they don't understand rules and regulations, this shows me that there is a great understanding of rules and regulations. Come on now. And that they understand symmetry because you have, come on, you have the safety corner, then you have, you have the safety, the cornerback, the outside linebacker, uh, the in, the tackle middle, linebacker, okay? All right, and so it's the same on each side other than the middle, right? They understand symmetry. How about that? So when you tell your husband you need the other matching curtain, he understands. I know mine does. I'm grateful. All right? So they understand symmetry. Here we are. It's picture symmetry. Y'all love that? All right. Okay, now last thing about these 49ers. Okay, back in 2020, you, this today is just, to me, okay, sisters, if I'm thinking about going to a sale, I say, well, that sale happens every, uh, every January. Okay, it's an annual sale. Or if it doesn't happen for a while, and then I say, oh, this is a replay of what happened back uh, in January. So now I understand what's going on. So when I think of, here's the Super Bowl. Back in 2020, there was actually a game between the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs, okay? And so even though the Chiefs have uh, only won, not only, but they have won three uh, Super Bowl championships, uh, back on in, the tw in 2020, they defeated the San Francisco's 49ers. Now, in the back of somebody's mind, there is a replay going on, say, this looks like something I've seen before. This looks like something that has occurred before in my life. And so I was sitting in this place or that place, and I saw the same two teams playing. During the worst time in American and world history that we know of in our lifetime. When all the rules changed, when all of whatever was going on, everything changed and they were playing in this same, as they were contending one against the other, in that same type of championship. 
And when we think about that, we must also think about the times that we have seen occurrences come within our lives that look so much like something that happened before. It seemed like before, uh, they, they'll go back and they'll research all the history of it. They want to they know where they made an error, what was their strength. They've also studied the recent games because now you have new players because people have been traded from place to place. There have been uh, upsets where there are uh, not the certainties where they were and may have had in times past. And now they're dealing with a new team. In the Christianity, because of our environment, because of things that are going on, because of the, uh, our cl uh, current social uh, proclivities and the other things that we are dealing with, we now come to a place that we're like, okay, this looks like 2020. This looks like 2016. And so while we're doing that, we are preparing ourselves what to do greater. We're preparing ourselves to now come away as a champion. I know that the Chiefs are now looking at everything that they can see, everything that they've seen before, to now prepare to meet their contenders. And so as they do so, I want to go over one more football thing, okay, uh, and, I, and I'll let you alone because I already know that you know that I know, like my mother used to say, you know that I know that you know, that I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes down to football. All right. So, but there is a line called scrimmage. I, that's my favorite phrase in football. So I'll come in the room and I'll say, that's the line of scrimmage. You know, it has nothing to do with anything on that's going on, okay? But the line of scrimmage is actually, by definition, it is actually the dividing lines between the teams in, 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 in my vernacular, okay? It is the line between two teams. And when I see this line, there's actually 11-inch area that is between them, and that is the size of the football, and so this particular area, when we come to the line of scrimmage, there is no one on this side saying, I want to go to that side. I'm going to trade a jersey with you and let's just, let's just change up teams. It is not the hour to change up teams. The thing that has been working for you before, it is now to be utilized in this hour for Christ Jesus and his kingdom. Amen. And so so in this hour, we must look at what looks like the line of scrimmage. It is the dividing line. Either I am on the Lord's side or I am not. Either I believe the word or I do not. Either I am on his team and following his playbook or not. So in this hour, we must stick to the playbook. What is the playbook? It is the word of God, the unadulterated, the unadulterated word of God that never fails, that does not cease, that speaks from ancient of days, speaks into your now and into your future. Amen. It is the word of God. That is our playbook. And so we are leaning heavily on the word of God. And so while looking at what team we're on, we're not, so this is not the time for this team to say, well, yesterday you didn't speak to me. And this team over here to say, well, 
uh, to their own teammates that uh, you didn't come to my son's graduation. It's not, this is not that hour. This is the hour where you bring everything to the field and you give it all you've got. And somewhere between the line of scrimmage and the goal, you have got to say, if I never do this again, I'm going to do it like it's my last time. If I never run again, I'm going to run like it's my last time. If I never impart into the next generation, I'm going to impart as if it is my very last time. Why? Because everything's on the line now. Everything's on the line. And we've got to go forward knowing that we gave it our all. There is no replay. Even though this is the same team playing, this is not a replay. This is not a replay. So every member comes to the field. Every member comes to the field. And they give it everything they got. In this hour, your collection of trials and errors and fumbles and all else that has gone on in your life, the times that you didn't carry the ball well, the time that you dropped the ball, the time that you could not show up because you were so injured. There are injuries in life that sometimes limits one's ability to show up. Amen? And when that is going on, you've got to know that you have given it your all when you were made available, okay? There's, there are times that we're on the bench. Come on now. But you know what? When God strengthens us, we not only bring the victories of yesterday, but we also bring the convictions of today that our God who never fails, who always comes through, who makes a way out of no way, who strengthens us in weakness, that that God, that he's going to hold us today, that he's going to carry us today, that he's going to cause us to overcome today, that we're going to do greater in less time than we did before. Why? Because the greater one's on the inside of us. The conviction of God is on the inside. Amen? So when I think of there being various teams, and since we're all going to stick with that which he's called us to, and we're thinking of the line of scrimmage, and we're thinking about the different points uh, that one is doing, whether you're the quarterback or uh, the center guy. Come on, I'm just going to my vernacular because you know. Okay, and so when we look at all of those roles, we've got to now ask ourselves as the body of Christ, what is my role? Am I an intercessor? Am I helps ministry? Hmm. Am I an encourager? Do I have the gift of exhortation? Do I have the gift, and we all should be soul winners, but am I gifted, like my husband, just to go up to anybody, anybody, and say, what's going on today? Do you have the, act, uh, the gift to actually enter into the lives in a way that you don't go through some of these things that would cause one to think that we're overly peculiar, like strange, like weird? That you can have an everyday common conversation with them. If they're crying, cry with them. 
Weep with those that weep. Mourn with those that mourn. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Hallelujah. Speak hope to those who are cast down. A conversation. And so, but as we're doing that, we must come out from the gray line. See, when you line up on the line of scrimmage, there is no gray line. You're either on one team or the other. And it is the dividing line. And so in 2 Corinthians 6 and 17, it says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you to myself. There are times in football where you're not supposed to touch the ball. There is times in Christianity, anything that look like, tastes like, appear like, is a foreshadow of anything that's evil. I don't want to have any dealings with it. I speak the word that says, come out from among it and be ye separate unto God, set apart unto God. Not standoffish, but set apart. And so while we're set apart, we do not engage in the things that does not please the Lord and that would be questionable before him. And this is what we're doing to contend for the faith. Now, Jude 3, let's go again and read that. And it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Goes on to say, for there are certain men crept in unaware. Now he said he wanted to talk about the common faith, but this, this uh, we call him Thaddeus, but he's also known as Jude. He is the son of God's half brother. And I want to hear something from anybody that has lived their whole life sleeping in the next room to the Son of God, who has a revelation of who he is beyond what the ordinary would know. Even though they say that he did not support his brother, they did not believe it is said by some theologians. He did not believe in him until he rose from the grave. He did not believe he was the Son of God. But when he rose from the grave, it made him reach back. There are some things that when you go through one thing and you experience great victories that have come after great hardship, to see his mother broken because her son is dying on a cross, that's great hardship. But when he rises again, it brings to mind again, it seems like to me I heard him muttering prayers in the middle of the night. It seems like to me that I heard him saying, thy will be done, not my will, but thy will be done. It seems like to me I remember hearing about the five uh, loaves and two fishes. It seems like to me somewhere along the line, he gave great insight that he was the, indeed the son of God when he healed the woman uh, with the issue of blood, when he turned water into wine, when he uh, fed the 5,000 that we're speaking of. It's one thing. I have 10 brothers, and, I, and there's six sisters of us, our mom and dad, 
as they raise us. I know what it means to walk around with somebody look like they're on a football team, wear a size 20 shoe and, and six foot 10 and all that. And so when I think about this man of God, when he looks back, Jude as his brother, and said he fed 5,000. He fed 5,000. I look back now and I see how my father, he worked and owned a business and worked two other jobs. And, and my mother, how she was a domestic engineer. That's what it's called when you are a mother. You can take peanut butter and jelly and make it feel, seem uh, like someone's eating caviar. You can take, come on, sardines and make it into a meal. Hmm. That is a domestic engineer. So when I think about that, they fed 16 children uh, and their cousins and their friends and whoever else drifted through and all the church members as my father pastored for a while. So when I think about that, I said he fed all those people. She cooked for all those people. And this is what's going on with Jude. He's like, oh, yeah, I want to talk about the thing that we would have commonality with. But I need to tell you about men who crept in unaware, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in five in four, for there are five, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. So out of all the things that he could have shared, he wants to tell them about the history that they're very much aware of. He said he brought them out of what seemed like an insurmountable circumstance, out of what seemed like, uh, whether it was uh, them being hungry and he giving them manna. Come on now. He dividing the Red Sea, and you're walking across, as we said, that he turned seas into highways. And when you're talking about when you look at what he did, and, and Jude is saying, out of all the things, this is what I want to tell you about. I want to tell you about somebody who crept in who was not part of us, who was a saboteur of the name, who was a saboteur of the name. Because if you're all representing Christ Jesus and someone comes in and they creep in unaware and they're carrying on as if it were in another uniform from another team, coming to find out about the playbook. I want to warn you about these people. And this is what Jude says. So I find it very interesting that of all, of all the things that he could have shared, because I know at some point he's got to remember, see, proximity changes even the way you do things. Whether you, the people that you hang out with, the, uh, the, the family that God actually birthed you into. They've done studies on nature versus uh, nurture ver versus nature. And so nurture is uh, your environment, what people do, how you become who you are, how you speak as a result of who, uh, you, who your companions are and how, how you walk through this life and the things that you, I call it absorbing into your life. 
And as a result, what comes out of you is a reflection of that. Well, when I look at that and I see that he is now speaking on another level. He's speaking on the level of a person that is redeeming the time. Say redeeming the time. When I think about this individual who they say did not give his brother the type of support that maybe he could have given had his belief been at a different level. Hmm. If his faith had been at a different level. So now he is speaking as one who now has known and seen, tasted and seen. And he's now in a place where he can say he is the one and only Christ Jesus. The Lamb of God, the sweet rose of Sharon. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The ancient of days. The healer and the redeemer. He is. That's who he is. Now, Hebrews the 12th chapter and the first verse going on to say, so what we're doing now is based off of what Jude has given us, that we should earnestly contend. So the thing he is attributing, they're dying after they have come out of Egypt and have gone through the desert places and the desert walk. He attributes them now dying before they enter into Canaan land based on unbelief. He says, earnestly contend. He could have said, he could have said, want you all that you need to learn how to be greater warriors. No, he tell you to contend for faith. That is your playground field. That is your battlefield based on what you believe God to do. Amen? Hebrew 12 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all these people who are in the stand saying, go forth, you can do it. Greater is he that's in you. Those who are our greater cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and sins that so easily entangles. And let us run with, the pers with perseverance the race marked out for us. It's the playbook. It's written, it talks about uh, that God has written it in our book. Hmm. These are the words that the Lord has written in your book about you. That you will do great exploits for him. And so we're looking at even this book and we're saying, we're fixing, verse uh, 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. One of the weapons of contending is not to grow weary. Whatsoever things are lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. These are the things that help you endure weariness, to triumph over weariness. I choose what I think. You in, in, in this room right now, there's all kind of radio waves going into, uh, in and throughout this area. If I tune into the right frequency, I'm going to hear what would be whatever it is that is now going on, even if it's the Super Bowl talking about what will happen later on. Okay, if I tune in, but it's telling me to look unto Jesus. 
So I'm not going to tune into my latest heartbreak. I'm not going to tune into my greatest failure. I'm not going to tune into all that back talk that goes on on the courts and on the battlefield where the enemy has called you everything but a child of God. I'm not going to tune into it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look unto the author and the finisher of my faith. And I'm going to diligently seek him. I am going to hear his voice ever so clearly. I'm going to listen to the word of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. John 4 and 35 says, Say not ye therefore, yet there are four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto, the, the, unto life eternal, that both that sow and he that reapeth may rejoice. Now, we have to be in this day like the sons of Issachar. We have to know the times. This is not the time to be weary. This is not the time to faint. This is not the time to draw back. But this is the time to draw closer to God and the things of God. To walk into what he has promised you. To walk into what he has decreed and declared over your life and over your children's life. So even as you are doing that, I think about the guard that's inside of each football player's mouth. He puts a guard in his mouth and he decides so he's protecting his teeth. I tell you in this hour, we must protect our heart and our faith. We must protect what comes out of our mouth. I told this lady the other day, she was saying how bad her child was. I said, you need to, every time he does something ugly, you need to find something that's good about him and say, you are a good boy. I don't care what's going on, why? Because I'm speaking those things that be not as though they were. And I'm giving him my voice print that your mother told you that you are good, you are excellent, you are kind, you are true. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. That you are not the head, you're, the ta you're not the uh, tail, but you're the head always. Always. We always win through Christ Jesus. Not going home with a bad report because we always win through Christ Jesus. So as you tell this child that, you're positioning him with your voice print to know that our God, who is rich in mercy, as Ephesians 2 says in 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together. Hallelujah. Has quickened us together. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So regardless as to what my historical record has been or what, regardless as to what your historical record has been, based on what Christ Jesus has given you, you are already a winner. So regardless as it don't matter how many times whoever has won, it doesn't matter who, how many times whoever has done it better, this hour we're bringing God our best. We are offering him that which is priceless. That which is the composite of our life. 
And he has seated us together in heavenly places. So we're offering it to the Lamb of God, casting down our crowns. Hallelujah. Casting down our accomplishments, casting down our victories and yielding them and submitting them unto Christ, saying, God did it for me. I don't care who comes to say, oh, you're great, you're grand, you're wonderful. When you get through collecting all your trophies, all your certificates, all your degrees, only God can do some things. There are things that only God can do. And we give him glory for that. And the things that we do is because he enabled us. Amen? And so we're earnestly contending for that faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Now, there's many other things that I can go into, but I would like to say this. In this hour when we're talking about what we're saying, what we are actually doing, what's going on, this is the hour now that we must declare the word. When the enemy comes in with confusion, we have to say, uh, quote Isaiah uh, 23 and 3, and say, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And in that hour, you've got to see it just like it is in football. You've got to say, oh, that's a foul. That's a foul. Because the word says that he will keep me in perfect peace. So you're coming against, you're transgressing against the word of the Lord that's been spoken over my life. And as a result, it is a foul. It is inadmissible. We will not allow it. There are rules, laws, and regulations. And the word of the Lord that's already said that it cannot go that way. I will not be confused. If you lack direction, Psalm 23 and 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye. Hallelujah. When the enemy comes and said that you'll die in famine, Job 5 and 20 says, in famine he shall redeem thee from death. And in war from the powers of the sword. So those things that we don't know about that are coming upon the face of the earth, we've got to declare the word and we got to decree the word and we've got to say, by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, that the blood of Jesus covers everything that comes against my life. And I'm covered. I'm protected. He is the assurance of my faith. Hallelujah. And when the enemy starts to blow his trumpet, you've got to get your whistle out and say, look, I'm already free. Sun sets free. It's free indeed. You've got to blow your whistle just as loud as I accidentally did in that mic. You've got to raise your praise. You've got to raise your praise in a way that drowns out the lies of the enemy, in the way that causes him to flee, in the way that causes him to tread, that even though he comes one way, we, because of the blood, because of the covenant, because of the word of the Lord, he flees seven ways. Amen. Hallelujah. So as a last thing, I'd like to say that we must earnestly contend for the faith. They did not die because they did not, they had not seen or heard. They died because of unbelief.
In this hour, it is very, very important that we know what we believe, whose side we're on, what victory we're fighting for, what the Lord has already said, and also to stay in, not only staying in the word, but also staying in prayer. I saw that you all just came out of a 21-day fasting and prayer. That's the thing that builds up you. It's not just an exercise for January. It is a lifestyle that when I think about what I'm asking God about, it becomes my prayer. The earnest expectation of my heart, it is a prayer. And I live in the mode of prayer. I live in, God, if it, I know your will, God, let your will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. Then it becomes the very life and breath of you becomes a prayer. Now in this place today, I know there's, there are some people who have been, maybe their team didn't win. Maybe in life they did not win. And something came along that told you it's always going to be this way. Or it's okay for Jack, Jill, and Jaquitha, but the Lord wasn't talking about me when he said, I'll make you the head and not the tail. Huh. But I've come to tell you today, God's going to rewrite your story. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It looks like it's just a replay, like it's going to happen, just like it did last time. It looks like that's the way. that we're afraid. Sometimes people are afraid of great success because they're afraid of failure. Oh, my God, in this hour, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is coming along to strengthen you, to guide you, undergird you, lead and direct you as he would have you to do it. And there is no failure in him. And he is on the inside of you, working both the will and the do of his good pleasure. And so I want, just, I want you to say to yourself, I will not lose. I am a winner. And greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. That I always win. Hallelujah. I always win. I always win through Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. In the days ahead, hallelujah, I want you to comfort your heart. Prepare your heart in prayer, in fasting, in supplication, in meditation of the word, in building up on your most holy faith, that as the days would come, that would be hard that your heart is already fixed for victory. You have been positioned for victory. You have been positioned to overcome the world. You have been positioned to do more in less time. For all the bullies, there may be bullying your children in school. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We speak to the leader in your child. And we say that they're going to come home with a new testimony. Hallelujah. Glory to God. To all the circumstances that have bullied you and made you feel like you'll never rise above. That your finances never come up. That you'll never love again. Hallelujah. We speak healing in the name of Jesus. We speak hope in the name of Jesus. We speak joy in the name of Jesus. 
Hallelujah. And we are laying hold to the truth that is in his word. He said that he has given you beauty for ashes. Enjoy for the spirit of heaviness. So we shake off heaviness. We shake off everything that beset us. And we're running and contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And we're going to do great exploits and we're going to see miracles that we've never seen in our day before. Arms and limbs will grow out. Finances will change on a dime. Hallelujah. The greater one on the inside of you will lay his hand even on tumors. Anyone sick in this place today, just lay your hand if you can. If you can't lay it on the actual spot, lay it on your head. And We speak peace. Hallelujah. We speak healing in the name of Jesus. We command tumors to dry up and die. We command hearts to be healed in the name of Jesus high blood to come down, low blood to come up. Hallelujah. Marriages to heal, children to heal, that the hearts of the children were turned back to the fathers. And we earnestly contend for that which you have promised us, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hmm. Hallelujah. I see a will that seemed like it's been it's been a bone of contention. And I see the Lord, I see the pages turning. And there being a revelation of what was the original intent. And a judgment in his favor. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, even as Pastor Phil has stated that you have planted in his heart, in their heart, in this heart of this people here, we leave a blessing here. You've given us, you've given us property after property after property. I thank you, Father, for the right lawyer coming and working for them. The right realtor, the now word, that you would speak to them and give them how to do, what to do, when to do. That you would navigate them in a way that causes even those who are selling to say, we didn't know we was giving you all that. Divine favor go before this people. Supply every need. Hallelujah. Thank you that every need is met according to your riches and glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I thank you, Father, that not only finances come forward, but those who would be laborers who will come to the battlefield in this hour and earnestly contend for the faith. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.